Okay, Coach. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, I sound like a frog. Well, that's all right. That means that you're about to turn into a princess, right? <laughs> hey, you know, that's what my name means, right? Was oh, that right? Uh-huh, Sherry. Oh, well, mm-hmm. what do you know? Mm-hmm. Sherry Princess. Yes, oh. my sister calls me that all the time. Oh, oh well, something tells me you didn't quite <laughs> like that. <laughs> don't call her princess, right? I don't it, mind if it's not like princess, you know, and has that attitude. <laughs> and actually, she's a princess, if you want to know the truth. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited for today because we're going to try to keep it light, but it can be almost impossible for us to keep it light. So I just want to give a disclaimer right off the bat <laughs> that it probably will not stay that way. I will giggle as much as I can. <laughs> But I can't promise that something that we're saying won't touch you deeply. Well, you know, and that's, I, to me, who we are. We're yeah. not surfacy at all. No. Nope. And, uh, and so we do have some fun things to discuss that people can incorporate. But the reason for its importance might get a little bit heavy. Yeah, we carry shovels around here. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have to dig for the truth we see. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is a place where BS confronts or truth confronts BS. You're not allowed to stay in BS. And so Gandalf Yoda is in the house. Yeah. Does anybody know what BS really means? If you don't, <laughs> you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. Well, hey, my name is Greg McNeil. I'm the owner of Coach's Corner. I am the owner of SOAR, uh, which I'm really excited to uh, launch here in Clovis, New Mexico. And I maintain that I am an all-round funny guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Yes. And I'm Sherry Wilson, the owner of Genius Communication. And uh, I basically brand people as well as marketing and business consulting and hiring. And did you see my latest post, Coach Greg? It's all about you and Laura Lee. Oh, I probably didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But she is also someone that makes money for your business. <laughs> yes, Did you hear me say that? She makes money for your business. <laughs> That's my primary objective. <laughs> I decided to switch up my blog because I like what we're doing here in our podcast mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much that I didn't want to have to write a new blog post every single week on mine. It was just, you know, I, I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of rearrange things a little bit. So I decided that once a month, I would do like a very specific branding, mm-hmm. you know, some type of business uh, deal. And I couldn't think of a better uh, way to start with a case study of uh, Coach's Corner. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So I shared this story of how, you know, you're a magician. You know, our, the first impression was you couldn't even get to the quiz. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, here, <laughs> you know, anyway. And uh, and then, you know, I walk in and notice the blue wall. And I'm like, no, that has to go. Oh, yeah. And then I talk about your old website and how I scared to even, you know. <laughs> and, and what we did, and I just took them in the journey of how we arrive to what mm-hmm. your brand is today. Yeah. And um, the true essence of branding is is what I wanted to dive into, and it's pulling out who you and Laura Lee are. Yeah. And we're about to probably do a little bit of some rebranding right, in right. the near future. But anyway, and then the next um, podcast I'll do two a month will be the Hell Yeah Life 
yeah. purpose right. because we're about to launch that coaching intensive yep. online yep. in January. Uh, doors will be opening soon. And then also my planners will be printed soon. Mm. And they're the Hell Yeah Life uh, planners oh, yeah. based on person people's personalities. So that we've got a lot of good things with yes. SOAR, yes. opening up our intensive online. We'll have more in-person stuff. So stay tuned and please leave a review and please look in the show notes for ways to contact us. Absolutely. So that's what this podcast, you know, Healing Community, Healing Business. We had a conversation last week on a practice that me and uh, Mike had instituted in our lives probably about 2015, 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. You're also big on this as well, where we view the things we're about to describe as necessities uh, they're like part of our business plan. Mm -hmm. They're part of our personal plan. And that mm -hmm. is not waiting until you retire to do the things that you want to do. That just makes my skin just, mm -hmm. it cringes yeah. when I think about that. <sighs> and I think that's probably the majority of people's mindset is, you know, you work, 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 work. And then once you hit the magic age... All of a sudden, you can stop working, collect your pay uh, through Social Security or investments or whatever it is. What I find is a lot of people that get to that point are actually already dying. They can't even do what they want to do. Huh? That is BS to me. You, know, <laughs> you should see Coach Greg. <laughs> He's like squirming. And <laughs> okay, so get this picture. So right now, you're 35 to 45. You mm -hmm. might even be 50. Mm -hmm. But you're still in pretty good shape. You could do things. So let's just say you have your couplehood. So that means that you also have a romantic life as right. well, right? right? And all of those things that your couplehood affords you. Mm -hmm. So now, at that age, you tell yourself, well, you know what? We're going to plan to do this for the next 15 years. And then after that, we'll be free to, free to travel and go and see all these places. But do you really want to try to climb um, one of the uh, pyramid steps at 63 years of age? You know, mm -hmm. are you really going to be taking your wife out for Argentine tango when you're 65 and she's 63? Well, we probably will. Well, me yes, and you. <laughs> exactly. But because we're doing it right now. That's the point, right? So there is absolutely no benefit to putting the things off that you can do in your life right now to some future date that is simply not promised to you. Right. And anyone that tries to tell you that you are guaranteed to have your feet above ground 15 years from now, just sold you an iceberg in the desert. Right. Yeah, I, I can't remember where I first heard the idea of doing things. And even if it has to be on a smaller scale or uh, you know less frequent, uh, but to make sure that you put those things into practice before you retire, it might have been Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. I can't remember, but I came across it and the idea was, okay, so what are your goals for when you retire, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm a travel person. Mm -hmm. I used to go on the road with my dad every summer, mm -hmm. been to 42 states, um, got to go to uh, Colombia. 
Um, you can't say that without that. You know what I mean? No, that's right, because it's not Columbia. See, your shoulders yeah. are supposed to yes. move and everything. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. Everybody thought I was actually Colombian. And they would start talking. And I'm like, no, no. Uh, but anyway, you know, I- I've got to go some places. But, you know, like retiring, reading more. Um, those are some of my uh, ideas of travel, reading more, um, able to pursue hobbies, you know, that maybe you can't do when you're uh, working. And so when I came across this idea, I'm like, hey, I mean, why would I wait, you know, all these years to do those things? So we took them on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, like, you know, our quarterly trips. Mm-hmm. Just got to go up to Chloride, New Mexico, a ghost town. It was fabulous. Um, we have, I have built into my life extra reading time. Mm-hmm. I've built into my life hobby, mm-hmm. uh, like my true crime. It's mm-hmm. actually a hobby, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, so I began to create a life that incorporated some of the things I wanted to do before I retired. It's been amazing. I'm I'm watching you and I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> to the listener, take note. Mm-hmm. Your life is always in the present. Mm, that's it's, good. It's never in the future and it's never in yesterday. Mm-hmm. It is never behind you, not in front of you, but it's right now. And as I listened to you speak about this, I just kept hearing in my head really loud paradigm. It's the paradigm that suggests that you work into this age and then you retire and then you see what you can do next. Yeah. I just have no interest in it. <clears throat> I know I made a post the other week and I, I made mention that the idea of retirement doesn't even enter my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you just simply transition from whatever phase of life you're in to the next phase of life that fits for you. So whatever you need to do in your life plan one of the things that you have to remember, if you are not creating joy for yourself and your family, then what are you doing? <clears throat> I mean, I work with quite a few older clients and financially they're secure. Yeah. And one of the things that they want from me is to help them to restore the things that they left behind when they were saving for this day. Yeah. And so now they're at this advanced age and... They're asking themselves, well, what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to find a partner when you're 70 years old, right? Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do together? Yeah. It's like, it's today. Yeah. If you if you work to save your money so that your money is supporting you in the future, then the same approach should be taken with your health yeah. and the planning that you just got through speaking of so that you can enjoy your life at every step along the way instead of waiting for a point in time when you think you can do something. For some, You're right on that retirement because for me, retirement isn't a cessation of everything. I plan on working until... You know, I don't want to. Exactly. To me, retirement is where your passive income is supporting you very comfortably. And and so that requires, you know, I always tell p- uh, people, wisdom is doing what you need to do before you need to do it. Yep. And that includes starting with, you know, obviously your finances, your emotional health, yep. your um, physical health. Uh, playing catch up is the worst thing because you diminish your chances of ever actually catching up. Yeah. And to me, mm-hmm. it's like you, know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. 
it is hard to change a mind that is 60 something years old and has been cemented in certain beliefs uh, for all that time. It takes a lot more work and a lot more effort. Yeah, if you want to see me make the sign of a cross, I just did. (laughs) Because, you know, that is perhaps one of the greatest challenges you just mentioned. A mind that has been cemented Mm -hmm. into a certain pattern of thinking. Mm -hmm. So just let that sink in, you know, for the listener. A mind that is so regimented, so constricted, that the ability to change is just not You know, you can't comprehend it for that person. It's like, why would I change? And yet they know that their life is not where it needs to be, and yet they can't change. And it just makes me think about the person that I was walking with yesterday. It Mm -hmm. was kind of like, look at yourself right now. You know, if you, looking at yourself in a condition that you're in, uh, this is the client we're talking Mm -hmm. about, of course. If you can't see the necessity for change, then... I don't know what else right. will help you to see that. Right. You know? And you were mentioning, because when we were doing the pre-show convo, you talked about how people know what they want. Yes. But they're either afraid to say it or pursue it. And then you said this, the longer you wait, fear grows. Exactly. And then you start living vicariously through other people, which I think is why reality TV is so popular, which I've never watched a reality TV show because to me that is not reality. It's not. But they watch it and they get caught up in the lives of those people. And then when something, like they make a decision that you, you know you don't approve of or whatever, you're mad at them, but you said you're actually mad at yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of go into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so which was the... Um, so yes, yeah, starting with the idea that of, about people knowing. So in my work, of course, um, I help people to discover the things that might remain elusive. Mm-hmm. And when I say elusive, not so much that the person can't know what it is, but they have a series of patterns, yeah, a way of being so that they don't really address what's going on. So when somebody is dealing with anxiety and Mm -hmm. stress depression yes and all of these types of things that the person is complaining about it's like i don't know why this is happening to me stop that yes you do and so when i sit with the person like that and we start to explore that truth is under layers of excuses rationalizations of various types so that the person doesn't have to confront it. So as long as it stays buried deep under all of that BS that we can sometimes use, then suddenly we realize it's like you can't get to it. You're anxious, you're nervous, but it's only because we are suppressing the truth from surfacing so we can see what action we need to take. Guess what? That relationship that you've been in for the last five years, you know you got to let it go, but you're just trying to hang in there because for whatever reason, you think that's what you need to be doing. Right. But you're not connecting to the fact that all of the depression, the anxiety, and the ability to sleep, the ability to have a smile on your face is directly reti- Excuse me, directly tied to not acknowledging what that truth is and taking an action. Now, yeah. that's one example, but you can find an example in any person that you are talking to or you meet with. It is impossible for us not to know <clears throat> what's going on in our lives because we are always communicating yes. with ourselves 
Always. Yep. You know when you're not happy. You know when you're anxious. You know what that is all about, right? right? So the minute you acknowledge it, you're free to move to the next step. But if you don't, right, mm-hmm. you don't acknowledge that, now time starts to pass. And suddenly this thing that was kind of small that you could have addressed, now you no longer have the courage because the fear is so great. Yeah. So now a situation that you could have gotten out of in five years, now you find out 15, 20 years down the line, you are still in the same situation. And it will always impact what you want to do. Always. And and so, like you said, living in the present, dealing with the things that need to be dealt with today, don't worry about tomorrow. And I think there might even be a scripture that says that because <laughs> it has enough worries and cares of its own. It does. You know, but it's like, you know, obviously you want to have an eye to what you want your life to look like. Right. So that's a big picture. Right. But breaking it down into doing the things you need to do and the things you mm-hmm. want to do in the present it is actually life-changing. It is. It is. It's So <clears throat> I've said this to people time and time again. Mm-hmm. If you do not live out your dream, mm-hmm. you will most certainly live out the dreams of other people. Yes. Okay. And so they'll look at me and it's like, well, what do you mean? So what do you want? Again, we keep coming back to that same thing, right? Because your faith is going to be centered on knowing what you want. If you know what Mm -hmm. you want, your faith is going to support the ability to bring that experience into your life. Yeah. If you keep telling yourself you don't, then those things that you say you want will forever remain elusive, right? And then suddenly your life is unfulfilled. Yeah. Okay, but not really. It's just a choice that you make. And so then on that other note, when I said that, you know, living our lives vicariously through other people, that is just a gross misuse of our life force. Mm -hmm. And we know we are because all of a sudden uh, this housewives of Hollywood or whatever's on TV Mm -hmm. nowadays. Naked and afraid stuff. I mean, come on. Really? Uh, Okay. So that's disturbing. Yeah. You, you tuned into this show and then something happens and you're upset Mm -hmm. and it's a TV program. Mm -hmm. It's not real from the jump. Mm -hmm. They're all acting. Mm -hmm. They're paid to act, to do a job, but you are attached to that TV life. And now So-and-so got killed off of the show, and now you're depressed for a week because you have now attached yourselves to an avatar, Mm -hmm. to something that's not real. Mm -hmm. And when you find out that you're not going to get anything back for it, how many seasons have you wasted in that reality TV program? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We need to stop this. Our lives are far more interesting than any TV show. Program. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned, you know, like in the, 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 I guess you would say maybe the epigenetics aspect of our mm-hmm. brain, right? Uh, the hedonistic aspect. So we have that part that it is the five sensory because we were kind That's of talking right. about that. That's right. So it, and it took us <laughs> three times to get all five, <laughs> but there's actually, like you said, 20. But the ones that most people are aware of is the hearing, seeing, smelling, touching, and tasting. If you look at how a lot of people are living right now, it is in that five sensory realm. Life is actually found in the intangibles. And we were talking about that. That's right. So like, for example, when me and Mike, you know, we uh, go on our quarterly trip 
last weekend or the weekend before, whenever we were gone, um, it was also a ministry trip. So we decided to combine, because it was, you know, our, the quarter, to combine that with our quarterly trip and even our date night. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, meetings that Friday, uh, and then that Saturday we had the whole afternoon and morning free. So we decided to drive up to the ghost town because that's what we like to do. And we just went in the museum and it was the best we've ever seen. And, you know, just went all around. And then we went back and had some good Mexican food at Sunset Grill and Truth or Consequences if you all want right. the best food. All okay? right. Sunset Grill. Yes. Yeah, so good. And, uh, and, but even though we incorporated sight mm-hmm. and sound and taste mm-hmm. and all of those things, it was the intangible experience. That's right. Because here's a, you know, speaking of the uh, couplehood, like you brought up, when you do new things together and explore new things, you actually increase attraction for one another and the sense of bonding because mm. the brain thrives on novelty. Yes. And so mm. now we have the intangible, you know, bonding and the closeness and the fun, the memory. That's right. That will last. And like anytime we do that, like, you know, we got my ghost town map mm-hmm. there. I got, I don't want anything made in China. So right. I always try to find something. It's, you know, made locally. And uh, so I got like a handmade pottery that's in yeah. our room, mm-hmm. put the date, where we went, all that. Um, those are just things that now every time I'm in my home and I see the map or I see the pottery or I see the book we got over in Silver City, whatever it is, I'm instantly taken back to the intangible of the memory mm-hmm. and what we got to do together. Uh, so... Those types of things where you're going into the experience that has the intangible is so crucial. So for you, you have heavy work, coach. You do heavy, heavy work. And it is an, like a non-negotiable that you get to go out and be in nature. You get to practice shooting, pursue other hobbies, hunting, things like that. Those are non-negotiables. What the intangible has to be the most important thing for you in those activities? I mean, it really is. So uh, as I was listening to you and I was just thinking, um, that's damn good for Alzheimer's too. It is. (laughs) You know, writing things down, memory work, you know, Mm -hmm. but that relationship piece, right? So when I'm thinking about that five century life that people have been geared to just focus on and feel like that's all there is, one of the problems with that is that you can manipulate that. You can manipulate food so that your brain can't tell whether or not if you have a carbohydrate, a fat, or a protein. Yeah. Because you mix them all together in such a way so now your body can't tell what it's eating. Or you even eat food that's not really food and your body can't recognize it and you're hungry all the time and you get obese. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's that. And then what you see with your eyes, what you read, what you hear with your ears, okay? Mm-hmm. And so before you realize it, you can actually be fed information through that five-century five framework. And depending on your particular makeup, you may think that's all there is. Mm, and so, that's good. Um, and there are so many people who think this way, and it's unfortunate and so when we get upset sometimes when we use things, we use words like government and other types of things uh, or entities that we speak of when we get frustrated. Big, tap, big know, tech. All mm-hmm. of these types mm-hmm. of things. It's like, look, 
we will always be upset with government, big tech, big pharma, any of that. Why is that? Because they are set up to take advantage of the things we no longer shepherd for ourselves. Mm, so if good. you don't guard your mind, if you don't pay attention to what you eat, what you hear, these are all forms of nutrition, if you will, right? Yes. What you take in through your ears, what you allow yourself to focus on with your eyes. Mm -hmm. You're eating all these types of things. Until we learn how to have more control and selectivity in these activities, our mind, our it's constantly going to be geared and stuck in that five sensory uh, perception. And so now you're looking around you and you lack the ability to enjoy what's happening. Classic mm. point. A person is walking in the forest and they're reading their Facebook page. Right. Why? Yeah. You're surrounded by beauty. Yeah. And, you're, and your head is down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... People don't even look at the skyline, the horizon anymore. And yet, if we say to a person who's dealing with depression, what do we tell them? Go outside and lift your head up yes. from the ground and look out in front of you. Look at the skyline and watch what happens. Look at the horizon. And there's what? science on that, Coach. That's exactly right. The best way to increase happiness within seconds is um, awe. Yeah. And it's looking at nature and really paying attention to what you're looking at. It's uh, great artwork yes. and really studying mm -hmm. that piece or whatever it is. Listening to music is a really big deal that inspires. Like whenever um, I have a friend, she's a client now, her name's uh, Cherie, and she does my facials. And uh, I love her. She's Her skin's gorgeous. She looks like Nefertiti. Uh, Nefertiti. And, uh, I need to get a facial then. <laughs> uh, she does men. I'll hook you up, coach. Yeah. And uh, anyway, she's just a beautiful soul. Lots of joy. And so whenever uh, I go to get my facial, she's like, you want your jazz? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> ma'am. Give me my jazz. Well, she's trained in the sensories, right? Like right. she knows it's mm -hmm. facial, the experience, everything is mm -hmm. important. So it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing to inspire awe through the sensory, the five senses, because you have to use those things. Things, but it's not allowing a false narrative to be created through them for your life. And it's not to where they're the sole focus. Because you see people, the, the, the taste sensory is a God to them. Mm -hmm. And they will only feed that God with food that is killing them. Right. So it's not that it's necessarily bad to use the five senses. They should not be your master. Yes, and they're not the only ones. That's the other thing about it. So when they make you concentrate on only the five senses, mm -hmm. you fail to realize that there's other things out there like proprioception and kinesthesia and some of these other sensories that your body is constantly providing feedback to you for. But no, if this is all you can see is these five senses, then that's where your life is. Now, if you don't understand how things are working in total in your life, then you can be trapped at any one place, right? And what we're talking about is to have a life that is a healthy life that you can enjoy your present life here and now and not postpone it for the future, right? Yeah. So we're saying, guess what? There's nothing wrong with turning your phone off, leaving it in your vehicle, and just going to the forest or whatever it is that you're doing, but actually have an experience with another person. So mm -hmm. maybe you two may go to lunch, right? And you're sitting down at lunch, 
but your phones are not on the table because yeah. you're not constantly checking them every five minutes because there's nothing that important in your world yeah. other than that moment that you have. Yeah. And so when we fail to recognize that, that's when we miss out, you know, and suddenly you look up, it's like all your life is now on a screen. Yep. It's in your nose. It's just the food. You know, the technology that you consume, the gossip, because let's face it, when we talk about things like your phone is really super fast, what is your phone doing that's so quickly that you need to have it? Right. It's, you're not talking about you're working out complex mathematical formulas on your phone. Yeah. You're talking about getting news that's primarily speculative. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so if you're focused on that only, you're missing so much of your life. Yeah, and it's all by design. Yes, it is. Hello. And, you know, yes, social dilemma. Watch that. Yes. Um, but it, it is, and I would hate to be on my deathbed, and my one regret is I spent more time on my phone than I did doing the things I enjoyed. And, of course, that's not what this episode is necessarily about. But as you're talking, I mean, we can't help but see suicide rates that have skyrocketed among not just teenagers, adults as well. And I, you know, you kind of think is, is it because they've created a reality that's not, obviously it's not benefiting them. It's not uh, feeding into the intangible needs that they have, but also it's not real. And all of a sudden it's like, what is there? It's not true. And that's, that's powerful. I I remember um, the movie Avatar. Mm -hmm. I bought it, Mm -hmm. right? But I remember one day somebody saying, well, what is your avatar? And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? What's that? And then when I caught on to it, I was like, oh, wow, really? You're trying to tell me that you're living your life through a character that you created? Oh, okay, then. So in my work, you're talking about heavy. I exist in the place where the facade, the make-belief life, no longer works. Mm-hmm. So when they're sitting in front of me in the state that they're in, they're trying to figure out what's wrong. What do I need to do? I don't understand this. And one of the things that I ask the person is, one, you must be willing to accept truth in who you are, how you think about things and how you created your life. And two, you need the courage to be able to change it. If you possess those two things, I will walk with you through whatever it is that you have to deal with. But I can tell you right now, more people choose the facade than the real life. Coach, we're about to have where truth confronts BS moment. (laughs) Because, and we're getting toward the end, and I've got a couple like little things they can do uh, to help them get started on this idea. Go right ahead. But I was in a, a meeting the other day, and, and I, um, speaking of facades, one of my pet peeves when it comes to the counseling industry, the psychiatry, psychology, all the psych stuff, is it almost enables people to stay in their reality uh, of anxiety and depression, which you can address that because you're in that industry, but it really ticks me off. And, and so we're both like-minded. I may not have a lot of letters after my name but i've done a lot of mentoring Mm -hmm. and i think we've seen you know and then when it gets too much like you know what you need to go see coach greg so (laughs) that's beyond my expertise right but 
Uh, so we're in this meeting, and we're talking about the book Go Giver. I don't know if you've ever yeah, read I'm it. Reading it's it right fabulous. Now. I'm reading it right now. And if you're at the second law, Nicole tells um, Joe, I believe, mm-hmm. that you have whatever you choose. That's right. And so that actually got under the skin of an individual in this group who is like, no, in my fa- family, and, and all the excuses are coming up. In my family, we have mental illness, we have anxiety, it's a genetic deal, blah, blah. So I was countering that because we're in a group, so I'm not going to allow someone to continue to give excuses to stay in a state of anxiety and everybody hear that, right? Right. And so I'm the one that's willing to say, well, actually, uh, in my DNA is a phobia of public speaking, mm-hmm. and I do it all the time. Exactly. So epigenetics is that you can overcome a lot of the things that are written in your DNA. I've got a friend whose mother was institutionalized throughout her entire life. She has a brother, same thing. She could have gone that direction, and she chose not to. Exactly. And I told her what you say, and that is anxiety and depression are fed. That's it right. is your thoughts. You are the sum total of your thoughts. And the idea that she has a choice offended her. Yes, it did. And so I'm like, why would you want to stay in that place? Why would you argue with someone that has seen people overcome those things, that knows that that is an excuse? Why would you want to stay there? That tells me there's something you like about it. There's something that feeds you and your identity by staying in that lie. And so I'm just calling it a lie, Coach. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't contain myself. So here we go. So for starters, mm-hmm. there is power if if you are able to stay in a state that you consider to be a helpless state that you can't overcome, there's a sort of power in it because that means then you have the ability to infect other people with that thinking. Mm-hmm. I have this, this is my situation, I'm not able to overcome this, I've been dealing with this for years, well, guess what? So everything that you do as a result of that anxiety, that imp- depression or whatever, you're not responsible for. And it's like, eh, that's not it, that doesn't work. So needless to say, when that person is speaking to me, um, their eyes are about as big as saucers, their mouth has a circle O, and they're like, well, what do I do now? Again, it's like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, let's assess your willingness to change. Are you willing to let go of those ideas? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You can't be powerless and powerful at the same time. No. And so that whole idea of power, we might need to explore in a different mm-hmm. podcast. But so don't use excuses to say where you are. You will have what you want if you're willing to learn and willing to change, right? That's, that's exactly right. Okay. So. Before we end, I, I do have a funny story, Coach, on the okay. TV thing. Okay. But I wanted to give our listeners a couple things. This is what I did, and okay. I think you know you probably did this as well. But I had three things I really wanted to pursue before retirement. And like I said, it was travel, uh, reading, and um, a hobby. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I, I got my three things down, mm-hmm. and then... I decide, okay, how much as far as budget do I need for travel, right? right. 
in today's economy. Don't oh, even yeah. get me started on that. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a little bit higher. But anyway, so I had to figure out my budget and I, I adjusted my finances to mm. fit that goal of a mm. quarterly overnight trip or two-day trip. Mm-hmm. Reading pretty, you know, inexpensive. I mean, that mm. didn't cost you much. Hobby wasn't hardly anything either. So I wrote down my three absolutes I wanted to do. I got my monetary plan. I got my time plan in place. Mm-hmm. And I just executed the plan, and it has been very successful. So for people that want to start incorporating things, when I did this, we didn't have a lot of money. So you have what you want. It's whatever is a priority to you. So don't think, you know, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. You have whatever you choose you want to have. So just get that out of the way. And we may adjust our quarterly trip to where we just run over to Lubbock or something, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, that's the tip I could give people is get those absolutes, get your plan and execute it, which by the way, just a little teaser alert, in my planners that are based on personalities, I have where they can do that in that planner. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say if anybody that's been listening to me um, during the time that I've been here in Clovis, you know that I'm a big advocate of of the journal Mm. that contains in it all those things that I want to achieve at any point in my life. Um, There is no day that I'm not writing in that. Right. And for the record, um, money is coming to you through your thinking, through your service, through what you're doing. So don't make negative statements about money. Yeah. Right. Or time or your time. That's right. Don't Mm -hmm. make negative state statements about money or time, don't speak these out loud, listener. Mm-hmm. If you want something, write it down. Make sure it's something that you really want. And then just keep your mind focused on that thing and then watch what your mind does. Because everything else that's in your life has come to you the same way, yep. whether you recognize it or not. Yep. Well, speaking of living vicariously through TV, so me and my grandpa, best friends. <laughs> and so after grandmother died uh, for like two, uh, 20 years, I went over there three to four days a week, sometimes more. And we usually had our shows mm-hmm. we'd watch. And it was funny because we've watched them like hundreds of times, but he'd always tell me what was going to happen and stuff like I hadn't been sitting there for 20 years. <laughs> and uh, so our favorite show was Gunsmoke by far. Oh, yeah. And Matt Dillon was my favorite. And mm-hmm. there was always, you know, that chemistry between him and Miss Kitty, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, why did Matt Dillon or James Ernest never kiss Miss Kitty? You know, it's like, what is his problem? You know, well, I had to research it and I found out James Ernest would not kiss any woman in a movie unless he was married to them in the show. That was a core value he had. Wow. And uh, so I had learned about that, right? And uh, so one night, uh, now at this point, my grandpa's passed away. And uh, so, you know, anything Gunsmoke Western instantly reminds me of him. Well, you, you know, I've told you, like, roosters in my house. Yeah. A lot of that, that's grandpa. Okay. And uh, so me and Mike, and I've told you this before, we're watching Gunsmoke, and James Arness has a head injury, so he's got amnesia. And so this hussy. <laughs> that word. <laughs> lies to him and tells him that they're married and he believes it and so he kisses on the tv screen this lady not miss kitty so the producers couldn't do it where it was him and miss kitty 
It's this hussy that he doesn't even know, and I am furious. I am mad, <laughs> and I'm like, these producers, and blah, blah, and I'm going off on a tangent. Now, Mike's like, you know, this is gun smoke. It's not real. I don't care. He has a core value, and they, you know, and this hussy, and blah, blah. And right when I'm having my fit, we hear this boom. And it's like the, the house shook. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? We jump up and run outside, and there's this car that had slammed into the yard of our neighbor on a police chase. So it's they're driving from the police or in this car chase, and it hits the yard. They turn down our old street of 10th, and then, you know, so me and Mike are watching it because all of a sudden gun smoke ain't that important. And then they turn down Hickory, and you hear... Uh, you know, the cop car, of course, comes. There's a cloud of dust, blah, blah. And then you hear, get on the ground, get on the ground, pow, pow. Then the meat wagon shows up very oh. slow, just driving down the street, because guess what? That person is now dead. They uh. didn't put their, their weapon down, and the cop shot him. Whoa. So speaking of being part of, you know, no reality, and all of a sudden you got a real life, you know, situation. But I always think of that when you talk, you know, people that live through TV shows. Why was I mad? Because this is a show me and Grandpa watched, and we were always fussy that James Arness would not kiss Miss Kitty. And then what do the producers do? I'm still mad at them. They're probably dead, but I'm still mad. I could probably say more about that, but we can probably end that right now. But the bottom line is this. Don't run from cops? Uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, don't run from the police. Get down on the ground so you don't get shot? <laughs> is do not procrastinate on living the life that mm -hmm. you want to live. Mm -hmm. And it always occurs in the moment. Yeah. So know this. All change occurs in consciousness or it occurs in your thinking. You think a different thought, you produce a different reality. Yeah. And when you do that, you will find that the one that you're living is much more extraordinary than anything you could see on television. Including not kissing Miss Kitty? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't know. I might have made a different decision if I was, uh, you know... Mr. Arness yeah, and the producers. Yes, sir. Miss mm -hmm. <laughs> Kitty was something else. She was. <laughs> it's annoying to this day, obviously. You 